afternoon. Welcome to The People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Vic Nazari here with you. Dom, Elon, behind the glass. Cannot forget you, the people, texting in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. We will connect with Brendan Batchelor in uh, just a couple of moments here. Uh, we'll go down the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. The first call, the only call. How will you remember the first 55 games of the Canucks season? What are your memories? Because now it's three in a row. Oh, my God, it's over. How, how how could they be the last team to lose three in a row? Sound the alarms. Batten down the hatches. Enter in the safe spaces. It's all over. Didn't the Bruins just lose four it, in a row? It, it's, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Look. <laughs> Teams, teams go through it. Teams go through it. The first moment of adversity, real adversity, has arrived uh, for your Vancouver Canucks. What are your solutions? Text, text in 650-650. Can I give one? Oh, boy. Here we go. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> no, honestly, it's boring, but, like, that's the reality. That's the reality. I joke about, like, the group chats you're in that are probably all caps right now and multiple exclamation marks and just saying, something's got to change. But as Dom just said it, keep on keeping on. Life philosophy there from Dom Tremetti. Keep on keeping. It's all about process, Bick. And and they've had good process. In, in, in certain facets of the game, there has been good process. Five on five, you would say good process yesterday and even against Winnipeg and even against Minnesota, despite there being 10 goals against eight kind of in non-empty netters, eight goals against. And it's it's hard to say, hey, they, they still play decent in a game where they gave up eight goals. But even yesterday, thought they played fairly decent. Uh, some, some unlucky tips and then an empty netter. And they find themselves on the wrong side of a 3-1 score against the Colorado Avalanche. But keep on keeping on is, is definitely you know the, the a phrase you think of through this little mini adversity the Vancouver Canucks are facing, except for the power play. You know what's going to fix that? What's going to fix it, Dom? Phil Kessel. Oof. On the first unit power play? Phil Kessel on the he's, first he's, unit? He's the savior. I'd, I'd love to see Phil Kessel on the second unit power he's play. He's going to Joe Flacco off the couch into PP1. Vancouver's redeeming savior. Right, but how does that story end? With a Stanley Cup. No, the Browns had lost in the first playoff game. They got worked in the first playoff game. The, the the Joe Flacco story is nice, but it's meant to lead to team success. Does the uh, NHL have a comeback player of the year award? Uh, the Masterton, right? It's like is that what the, it is? The, okay. the humanity to the game. Give it to Phil. It, just for that? Yes. Um, 650, 650. Uh, keep going with your thoughts here on... on 
what we're seeing from the Vancouver Canucks. This one, uh, North Creek Dan, at the start of the year, if you told Canucks fans we wouldn't have a three-game losing skid until February, we wouldn't have believed it. Settle down, Canucks fans, with some laughing emojis thrown in there from uh, North Creek Dan texting into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. There are fair things to uh, absolutely worry about, and there are fair things to uh, push aside to say, uh, this is not so much. The, the power play is the one that we're just looking at and saying, you want to flip some results here for yourself recently. A, a goal or two on the power play changes the complexion of potentially that Minnesota game, certainly uh, yesterday's game, albeit not a lot of opportunities, but still. Uh, power play is a struggling right now. Uh, let's go down the dispatch plumbing and heating and air conditioning hotline, the first call, the only call, where we join Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Batch, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. I appreciate you doing this. I know it's a busy time for you right now. Yeah, things are uh, things are happening. We, uh, my wife and I, welcomed our second child into the world last weekend. So it's a busy household right now, and things are busy with the Canucks at the same time. But mm-hmm. life is good. You so haven't uh, with you. Yeah, you you haven't had to absorb the three game losing streak uh, like others. You you've watched uh, from afar for a couple of them, and you were there yesterday for yesterday's. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts uh, seeing these last couple of games here for the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, I. Mean, I... <laughs> I think it's the special teams, right? Like that's the the thing that stands out because the five on five play hasn't really been that bad. And, you know, certainly the, the third period collapse against Minnesota is one that kind of stands out as something that's been uncharacteristic for this team this year. But uh, I guess they were probably bound to lose three games in a row at some point in the season and coming out of the all-star break they maybe haven't been as good as they were prior to it and certainly earlier in the season but it's a long season and you're going to go through peaks and valleys and uh, this is a valley right now especially with the power play really standing out as something that could have made a difference in a lot of these games but wasn't able to. So it'll be interesting to see if they can finish the road trip on a positive tomorrow in Seattle. At 5-on-5, five five, you know, against Winnipeg, it winds up being kind of 2-2. Two, two. You know, Jolson Myers get their 5-on-5 five five goals. Velarde and Chaifuli score in the third period. The, they win the 5-on, or the, it, it matches the 5-on-5 five five battle. They were better than Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, you know, 5-on-5, five five, it, it's we, as much as we like the play, you know, the, the Avs still end up getting two 5-on-5 five five goals uh, to, to Vancouver's one, obviously. W- What's like the little bit where we can push it a bit further to say, hey, not only are they doing well enough five on five, they're 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 like killer mentality five on five. Yeah, well, they're they're not scoring as much right now, mm-hmm. I guess. Right, like you you look at the, uh, you know, I guess two five on five goals in a game is, is for you is probably kind of what you expect, and then maybe you get one mm-hmm. special teams goal, and in a three two league that maybe makes the difference, but. You know, uh, they've been fine at five on five. They haven't necessarily had that killer mentality. And to me, it always comes down to the top players and your best players needing to be your best players and stepping up in some of those big moments. And if there's anything that really concerns me from this three game stretch, it's the third periods, right? Like you're, you're in a tie game. You lose in the third period against Winnipeg. You're leading. 
You lose in the third period against Minnesota. If I'm not mistaken, they were tied going to the third period last night as well. So those are moments in games where things have swung their way this year. They've been a, a fortunate team. They've been an opportunistic team. Um, we know how great the record was in terms of when they were leading after two periods prior to the mm-hmm. Minnesota loss, not having lost in regulation. So it's those key moments in games where your top players need to do something to win you the game, whether that comes on the power play, whether it comes at even strength, you know, your difference makers need to be difference makers. And this year, the Canucks top players have been, you know, they lead the league in five on five goals. Uh, their power play, in spite of the fact that it's struggled, has still pretty much been a top 10 power play all season long. Um, so they're going through a stretch right now where some of the bounces are going against them and they're not getting some of those, you know, key moments in games, whether it be a, a key player or someone down the lineup stepping up for them and that's something they'll need to figure out you know it's not something that concerns me necessarily yet because it's such a small stretch here where they've struggled and they've been so good all season long and they do have a bit of you know breathing room atop the pacific division although you know with all the games in hand that the Oilers have, it's not actually as much breathing room as it feels like, especially if Edmonton continues to win as much as they have here over the last few months. But, um, you know, you're going to, as I said, you're going to have peaks and valleys in a season. And as long as you keep your valleys little and not long, then you'll be okay. So that's why tomorrow's game because it becomes so important because, you know, good teams lose three games in a row. It happens. It's a long season. But once you get into four and five and six and beyond, that's something that you need to nip in the bud. And I'm sure that Rick Tockett will be emphasizing that to the group tomorrow. When we talk about five on five play, right, and it's, it's the hardest environment to score in, and we talk, we, we can say, hey, they're playing well territorially, and and the goals will come as you just mentioned, the bounces will go your way. When we talk about when the, when the power play goes through struggles for any team, we usually re- revert to, well, the chances are there, the goals will come. And right now, it doesn't even feel like the chances are there, and not even just, hey, they're passing the puck around the point. It, it feels like uh, multiple issues as far as zone entries and and spacing. It feels like there's a couple issues afoot right now for the power play. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used this analogy yesterday on the, the pregame roundtable, but I'll use it again and I'll see if you agree with it. Um, the power play right now feels like a bunch of actors who have a script and they are reading off that script but the end product is the play you've gotten to see isn't very good. There isn't a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's not, you know, there's reading lines and then there's interpreting them and, and performing them in a way that uh, gets the point across. And that's not happening right now. It's a lot of people reading their lines. So this is how we do zone entries. We're going to try to do this. This is where we set up. We're going to try to do this. Um, and it's not being very successful because it's kind of predictable and, and not successful. The Canucks power play when it's been good has been like a good improv comedy show where it's not about, you know, just reading your lines and doing the, you know, going through the motions. It's about reading and reacting and seeing what is presented to you and improving upon that or using your own skill set to make things better and create 
opportunity and you know in an improv comedy show that's kind of how the performers do a great job of it and when the Canucks power play has been good that's what the power play is like it's fluid you know there's rotation there's movement there's guys understanding where the other guy's going to be on the ice and creating opportunities and exposing penalty kills as a result and that's what that top power play can do, which is why I'm sure it's so frustrating for them and for the coaching staff that they are not having that success right now. And whether it's zone entries, whether it's, you know, just passing it around the outside and teams being content to let them do it because they, you know, kill their own power play essentially when they do that, when they don't penetrate, when they don't beat pressure, when they're not aggressive and, and have an attack mentality to use some of the terms we've heard from Rick Tockett, then it's, you know, a bunch of really good players passing the puck around and not doing anything with it. And that's what it feels like right now. So I'm going to be interested to see how they can adapt, whether they can get some confidence again, whether they can get back to more of that movement and sort of uh, fluidity that has allowed them to have success. And then the zone entries are right or key as well, because I, it, it, what it feels like to me that this power play unit is going through right now is that they're well scouted now because they're one of the top teams in the league opposing penalty kills know what they're going to try and do they know their tricks and like perfect example was one of the zone entries that i recall being successful at least in terms of gaining the zone in the game yesterday was quinn hughes decided to skate it into the zone himself Mm -hmm. and then he skated through the middle gained the blue line passed to jt miller at the right point And everybody on the ice on both teams knew what JT Miller was going to try and do. He always likes to do the rink-wide pass from the right wall to relieve some pressure if he's got guys on him. Um, And we've seen him do that successfully all year long. But this time, the Avalanche penalty killers, two of them stepped into that passing lane, and the feed was unsuccessful, and they were able to clear it back down the ice. So too predictable, too static, not fluid, not reactive enough, you know, certainly not attacking the middle of the ice with enough regularity. Uh, But having said all of that, these are all players that are capable of being a lot better than they are right now on the power play because we've seen them do it and we saw them do it for long stretches of this season. So you have to have confidence that they'll find their way back to being that kind of power play, but it's going to be a process for them because now they've got to figure out how to do things a little bit differently because of how well scouted they are by other teams' penalty kills. Yeah, it's, it's a great point, and I do think about that play against Boston too when Charlie Coyle raised that you know transition between Miller and Hughes, and it led to the shorthanded goal for Danton Heinen. And just just thinking of like, okay, teams are keying on certain things now as well, um, and. and so and so we talk about changes you could do. You know, one thing that was pitched last night on the post game show, and you know, people do want to see a big shot from the point. It, it, it's less valuable than ever before. But if you were to put two D men on there, like who would the forward be that they, they, they you'd want to take out? Well, this is the problem. Randeep and I were debating this mm-hmm. during the game yesterday in the third period when they got that second power play. And I was talking about how, you know, the Lindholm, Pedersen, Hoaglander line had just had a good shift. So why not put those three guys out there on the power play and and give Hoaglander an opportunity and just shake things up to see some different personnel? And Randeep goes, yeah, you know, that's that's a good point. But who are you going to take off? Mm -hmm. Like Brock Besser? Guess what? He's your leading goal scorer. So, like, part of me says they should shift the personnel just to shake things up and get people out of their comfort zone and and try to get things going. And then maybe if you do that for a couple of games, then you go back to your top unit and and maybe it's had the intended effect. 
Um, but you're right. Like to me, their best five offensive players are on that unit right now. I guess Lindholm would be the easy answer in terms of who you were to pull off if you wanted to put Heronic there. But then either you're promoting Tyler Myers to the second power play unit and then you're having to bump someone completely off the power play or you're talking about running a no-defenseman second power play unit, which I certainly don't like that idea based on some of the shorthanded goals they've given up lately, even with defensemen on the ice. So I'm not sure what the answer is. Part of me says that I'd like to see them run like a 1A, 1B power play unit where they split up those five guys and they've got skilled guys on both units and you go more a minute for each unit. And, you know, as I think back, you know, I think Travis Green went to that at one point when he was the head coach when they were going through some power play struggles is we're going to have two very good units. And, you know, the, the thing you could look at is finding guys that are good at attacking and beating pressure and putting them with some of your top skilled players. So a guy like Connor Garland, right? Like he, he has that sort of attack mentality. I think Hoaglander does as well, but we're not seeing that enough from all of the guys that are on that top power play unit to the point that, you know, we've seen Rick Tockett not just use the second unit more in recent games, but actually go to them before the first unit on some power plays. And I think that's a, a pretty big message from the head coach that what's happening right now isn't good enough. But that said, I'm not exactly sure what the answer is to mm-hmm. get things going other than, you know, maybe looking at some of these personnel changes. But at the same time, I can completely understand why they wouldn't want to make shifts because this power play has still been very good over the balance of the season. And even if this is just a little bit of a dip that they're going through, there's still five very skilled players that are very capable of creating offense at any moment. Well, what's interesting too, is, is people try to text in their, their ideas here, 650, 650, reading one that just came in. They haven't done the bumper play in forever. Minnesota converts an opportunity on them, a couple where we're Joel Erickson Eck is uh, right there, you know, prime real estate and, and, and gets his chance. And, you think about, okay, well, how are you trying to generate that chance and who would you want to to, to be taking that shot? It's most likely Brock Besser. Well, you need the left-handed shot and who's going to be the one passing to? It's got to be JT Miller, but where does everybody want JT Miller? It's it's at the exact polar opposite of the ice. Yeah, and... I mean, here's the thing is we could debate who should be at the net front, who should be at the yeah. top of the circles, who should be at the... Like, that to me is a conversation that could be never-ending because they're all good enough to play anywhere on that power play unit. But the problem is that they're just standing in the places that are assigned to them, right? Like, like if, if Brock Besser is going to play at the top of that left circle, that's fine. But he's got to shoot the puck, mm-hmm. and he's got to you know create some opportunity for himself to get into areas where he can score rather than just standing still. And the puck gets passed around, and I'm, I'm using Besser as an example. I'm not trying to pick on him because I think Pedersen is equally as guilty, and so is Hughes at times. And you know, teams just take away the shooting lanes because they know that those guys are looking for a perfect play, and they pass the puck around, and they pass it around, and they pass it around. Like I, I would like to see, regardless of who's at the top of the circles, whether it's Besser, whether it's Miller, whether it's Pedersen, regardless of which side it is, just shoot the puck more. Even if you don't think you have the shooting lane, make the penalty kill be more honest. Tee it up. Make guys block the shots because then guys will think twice about it. Like Alex Ovechkin has made an entire career out of 
shooting regardless of who is in his way and creating carnage when guys are willing to block it and essentially scoring when guys aren't willing to block it. And that's like, it, it may not work in the short term, but it break the know, funk. And I'm not a hockey coach. So this, I'm not a hockey coach. Yeah. Like I, I watch a lot of hockey, obviously. So this might sound like really basic and dumb advice, but if I was in that room, I would say to those guys, look for two games, we're just going to shoot it every time we get it. And if it gets blocked, if they get clearances, if we go over in the next couple of games, well, guess what? We've been going over anyway, so it's not worse than what we've been doing. But let's try shooting the puck and see what happens. Just get pucks to the net. Throw them on net wherever you can. Try and create chaos. Try and create rebounds. Try and create secondary opportunities. Make the other team block the shots. And then we'll see what happens. Because you know what? Maybe a guy blocks your shot. It hurts him. He goes down. Puck comes back to you. And you've got a lane in the middle of the ice. And that might sound a little bit ruthless, but some of the best power play producers that we've seen in the game have been guys who are completely ruthless in terms of when they are willing to capitalize and what they are willing to do to try and score goals. And, you know, the, the term that comes to mind for me with that top power play right now, rather than ruthless, is a little bit toothless in terms of uh, that sort of attack mentality that Talkett wants them to have. Talking to Brendan Batchelor here uh, on The People's Show. Uh, last one for you. Arsteep Baines makes his debut. Uh, did not yeah. look out of place at all. And, you know, gets more minutes than Ilya Mikheyev and Nils Oman and Phil DiGiuseppe. So you certainly wouldn't expect his place in the lineup going into tomorrow uh, to be upset in any which way. But uh, I, I'm curious of, uh, w- like, what you think the, the debut means for Arsteep Baines for the next handful of games, if, if there will be a runway here. Yeah, I'd like to see him get a little bit of a runway anyway. And, you know, we'll see what the organization thinks in terms of where his fit might be, you know, if he's uh, going to get enough minutes up here or whether they just wanted to give him a taste and then let him go back down and play a little bit more. But I was really impressed with his playmaking ability, especially playing with Bluger and Garland. There were a couple of different plays where, you know, he was in good spots down low to create chances in the slot. The you know one notable opportunity for Bluger, I believe it was in the third period, comes to the top of mind. And I thought there was a little bit of chemistry there. So you know, as long as Dakota Joshua is out of the lineup, I haven't liked the fit on that line with Mikheyev. Why not give Baines a little bit of an opportunity and a bit of runway to see what he can do with those guys? Because that line has been a big part of the Canucks' success this year and. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Dakota Joshua is out of the lineup at the time, or that line isn't intact, shall we say. I don't know if I want to say that it's, you know, solely, oh, Joshua goes out and they lose games, but all three of those guys have played so well together. They're not intact at the moment, and they haven't had as much success. And as a, you know, extension of that, the team hasn't had as much success. So if you have a guy that can be, uh, I don't know, Joshua Light, shall we call it, has a little bit of, of touch around the net. You know, we saw, as I said, the Bluger opportunity. We saw the pass he tried to make to Besser on that two-on-one. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see him get a, a longer look there. I think he deserves a longer look there. And then thinking longer term, as we look at sort of how they're going to have to build this team beyond this season, 
you know, they're going to have to make some choices in terms of what free agents they choose to sign and bring back and what free agents they're not able to bring back. And uh, if Archdeep Baines could find some chemistry with Teddy Bluger and Connor Garland, then maybe you look at it as a situation where if Joshua isn't the player you're able to bring back, if you don't have the cap space to make that work for a bottom six winger, then could Archdeep Baines become that guy going forward? Because especially if you're going to be spending big money on guys further up the lineup like Pedersen and Hironic, you're going to need cheaper options in the bottom six. You're going to need guys from Abbotsford or within the organization to fill in some of those roles internally. So, you know, from a a short-term perspective, he played well enough that I think he deserves another opportunity on that line. And then from a long-term perspective, you know, give him a chance to play with those guys to see if he can create chemistry and can be consistent with them because he could be a third liner for you in the NHL as soon as next season, depending on how things go this summer. Batch, you're the best, man. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. We'll uh, hear from Brendan Batchelor tomorrow on these airwaves, 7 o'clock versus the Seattle Kraken in Seattle. Uh, you got the pregame show at 6 o'clock with Sat and Dan. Batch and Randeep on the call at 7. Myself and Sat all the way through till 11.30 tomorrow evening. Uh, some good texts coming in. We'll read some of them on the other side. We'll also get to fill in the blank. Dom promise me on a bunch of stuff we try to fill in the blanks you can text along to 650 650 back in a minute here on the home of the canucks sportsnet 650 the most opinionated canucks show out there canucks talk with jamie dodd and thomas drans be sure to subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Second half of the show coming to you live from the Kintech Studio. 650, 650. We'll touch on uh, some of your thoughts here in just a moment. On Wednesdays, uh, we throw it over behind the glass to Dom Shramati, who uh, has got a series of uh, prompts for fill in the blank. What's going on around the world of sports, Dom? Let's start here. The most desperate team heading into the NHL trade deadline pick is blank. Ooh, is this for buyers or sellers or just... Open to your interpretation. Desperation is desperation. It just reeks anyways. Yep. Calgary Flames. Oh, you're going Calgary. Okay. Just because I I think they they want to see what their plan is. They have an idea what the plan is, Mm -hmm. but they're just close enough to the playoffs. We still kind of have to try. We're spending 10 plus million dollars on Huberdo. Yeah. Or if, I also if, if call they them had their Tanafin. Tanafin, yes. Need to figure out Tanafin. Uh, if they uh, if they had their way, I imagine they'd they'd love to be you know three points back to have a bit more defined result here. It mm-hmm. might take care of itself here in the coming weeks, but I, I feel like Calgary would be fairly desperate to want to sell. I'm gonna throw a, a team by you. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, same thing, right? Or are they a sell team? Which is weird because they had the the big offseason acquisitions yeah um they go bring in eric carlson they, they go bring in riley smith and today a uh, quote from josh yoey from uh kyle dubas is we know we need to get younger well you, you you just went out and acquired riley smith yeah and eric carlson did you not know eight months ago you need to get quiet uh, uh t- to go get younger, younger yeah. when you went out and got a 32 and a 33 year old and you traded a first round pick to to, to do it mm-hmm 
That's doesn't not help younger. that Gensel is also hurt. That's not getting younger. Uh, but as far as other desperate, like, desperate buyers. Maple Leafs? Perhaps, but I think they're okay Demon? standing pat. This is one of those years where you're kind of like, if the Leafs didn't do anything, it would be okay. The thing, the, the, the problem with, like, the, the desperate buyers is you also need, like, a robust... Uh, talent pool to trade for mm -hmm. and every time like i know espn put out a list today and when we put out a list every so often of who's gonna get traded and you look at it and you scroll through it's an uninspiring group to be honest yeah and i know wish put today put out a thing of like every trade deadline there's a sean walker and it's yeah it, it's so true it's just good player our fortunes being changed at the top end of the trade deadline this year. Not that they traditionally are anyways. We always just you hear stories of like, oh, paying the big price with 15 games to go is not worth it. But th this year's players available in the trade market, I got to admit, fairly uninspiring. Well, when Jim and Patrick do all their work months before the deadline. Two of the biggest names are gone. Exactly. It's Monahan and Lindholm. Yeah. They're gone. <laughs> and you, you probably got the best in class. Uh, and, and that's why we spend so much time talking about other players and can you prize someone that, that maybe got some term or some young guy. You know, I was talking about Casey Middlestat and maybe the situation materializes there. But in general, I don't know if there's a desperate buyer. The, I don't know, the Avs feel like they're going to be okay. They could probably use a little bit more depth, but they know where their bread is buttered. They know. The big three going for them, they'll be fine. They'll be okay. Sticking with the National Hockey League. I am blank thinking about the Fanatics NHL jerseys that are coming next season. I, I, I have a growing concern. I'm not a jersey guy. I know you like to live in the uh, merch world. Mm -hmm. But every couple of weeks, there's some viral clip of something that happened in another league with Fanatics. And now you were showing me this one today. And it, 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 the concern is growing in a big way. So Major League Baseball's mm -hmm. pants, the new pants made by Nike and Fanatics, are see-through. Say that again. Are see-through. See-through. Not on purpose. No. But you can see what is underneath the pants. With, with, the, with the bright lights on, on the headshots and, yeah. and guys posing for them, they look very see-through. And, you know, in hockey, you know, what do we see every player doing the bench? Like, spray the water? and mm -hmm. it, It's going to get uh, clinky. It's going to get see-through. I, I worry. I worry. There's a clear quality issue here. And it, it's not as if this is like, oh, that's the, the retail. It's just like the... Oh, nope, that's the player like, edition. The, 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 the players are complaining about this openly yeah. in Major League Baseball. And next season... The, the the growing concern is I, uh, is, is emerging. I me. will say this: NHL's saving grace is that each player gets their own gloves, their own skates. Yeah, of course, their own. But insert here. I'm now like, you shouldn't have to be worried about the integrity no. of the jersey when you're no. watching. And now suddenly it's oh, is that thing gonna tear midway through? Is that see through? Is it distracting for a player defending? It's like oh, I can see his uh, yeah yeah. Why is there only one S in Patterson? No. <laughs> Let's not even get to that. <laughs> Let's not even get if there's jersey mistakes. Uh, okay. Uh, on the heels of the NBA All-Star game and all the controversy coming out of that, I am blank with All-Star games. Uh, I I'm ag agnostic. 
on all-star games. I understand why they exist. For the kids, right? Yeah, that's the party line. Yeah. It's true, like put all the stars in the city. It's inspiring. Like I it's it's fun to be around. It is it's for the kids. It's also for the sponsors. You can get every all your VIPs mm-hmm. in one spot and all the all-stars and everyone's glad handing everyone and sponsors feel great. Hey, I got to meet Cindy Crosby. I got to do this for a weekend and that's, you know, money talks and that's uh, big opportunities. I you're basically asking two players to try harder, right? No, I'm asking what, like, yeah. for me, I'm over it. Yeah, I don't care. I, I think you get I to an care. age where you're just like, all-star games aren't for me. No. The skills day. I love the skills competition. That one to me is, like, important. The actual game itself. Good I care less. I, I don't know the last all-star game I tuned into. The first uh, the first NBA one uh, with the, what was the cool ending they had? What's it called? Elam ending? Yeah. That, ending, yeah. that one was cool. That one I tuned into. But even that, I tuned in in, like, second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last All-Star game I recall, like, actively watching, I don't know. Like, this year's, I kind of had it on in the background, but... The, I have the, an the, idea the for the NBA one. All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Is this for all All-Star games, though? Just NBA. Okay. Because that's the one that's been under the spotlight, because it just happened. I would love to see, rather than, like, the traditional game, where it's, like, five-on-five, five, mm-hmm. do bracket-style 1v1, and the winner gets, like, an extra $4 million. You know, Dom, you've had a lot of bad ideas. That's not one. That is not one. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, you, you can do it simultaneously. Yeah. You can have two guys on yeah. both ends of the courts. Well, four guys. Yeah. Yeah. Two games going at yeah. the same time. That's not bad. That's not bad. And, and that way, we don't have to, like, do teams or anything. Like, no. this guy should just take the... 24 best players, and let's figure it out. Give me a selection Sunday, rank them, yeah. and then go head-to-head. You know what? Not even rank them. Just draw. Or Yeah, yeah. sure. Just draw. UFC style. It's like this this style of fighter versus this guy. Yeah. Can you imagine Steph versus Jokic? That'd be, that'd be great. It would be. Size, size disadvantage. Be like, well, he shoots well, and he's going to rebound. Well, I see you working. And there's a financial incentive. Anyway. We could do that with, with hockey. Just just change, you know, no goalies and whoever hits the Mini post. Nets, yeah. Yeah. I can, post. yeah, exactly. Uh, back to hockey. Austin Matthews' current tear is blank. Austin Matthews' current tear is uh, conflicting because uh, who wants to celebrate Toronto? But uh, it, it's, it's pretty impressive what uh, Austin Matthews is doing. On pace for 70? A seven? Goodness me. And doing it in a way that almost looks unconventional. We, we, we don't have, like... I shouldn't say we don't, because we do, but... The, 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 the frequency in which he scores from distance is what's fun. He makes it look so much easier than everyone else right now in the league. And he had a one-year blip, and it's like, oh, he's, he's regressing. No, he's, he's found new ways to uh, change his game and dominate. Is it enough, though? Uh, honestly, the, the the talk in the last week has picked up about the Hart Trophy and everything like that. We'll, we'll get touch, to this. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the other side. How about that? Uh, we'll finish it off. Highlight of the night. Maybe goal of the year last night. Byfield? If, if Quinton Byfield is left off the Four Nations face-off squad, it would be blank. Oh, uh, justified. Really? Yeah. He's Young star. Exciting player. Exciting Don't get player. me wrong. Uh, it, it feels, year of growth. It, it feels like it'd be great if uh, we still had the Team North America and you could fit in on that team. 
I just I just think the depth for forwards is going to be too deep. Mark my words, fourth liner. Um, man, fourth liner? Yeah. Already? On that, on a Team Canada? It feels like you're just trying to crown him, though. I'm going to crown him. There's there's a lot of good players, man. I, I, I'm not sure he's got enough runway to make up the gap there to, 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 to make a team. Is, is he going to go in over, like, um, I'm trying to think, like a Barzell? Because he might be hovering around that spot. Yep. Like, no. Nah, he, he, he's not going over. Give me Quinn. He's not going over Marner. Hyman. No. Give me Quinn. Uh, it would be justified. All right. By the way, you can fade it out, Elon. Anytime you say crown him, I think Dennis Green. Oh, I, I just assume that's what you're referencing. What what other reference would you be thinking of? I don't know, but you said crown him if you want to crown him. And immediately I was like, yeah, Dennis Green. You see me working. We're working on another, on another level. A lot of text coming in about your all-star idea. Good, uh, or, mul- good or bad? <laughs> no, no, good. Multiple people texting in NBA Jam all-star game 2v2. I don't know if we can have the power ups on the court. No, yeah. But we should bring out the announcer. Just be like, boom, chakalaka. That'd be great. With the LED court, you could even. I didn't like that graphics. at all. I just saw the highlights. That did not look cool at all. No, I liked it. That's because you you just need like the attention span of like the the bright lights going. I'm, I'm like, the, oh, this I'm is the new. TikTok generation. Yes, that's. I'm a need. crow. That's what I am. I am a crow. <laughs> I'm a bird attracted to shiny things. Uh, 650, 650. Putting Byfield on Team Canada. Please get off the air. Never talk about hockey again. Uneducated. There you go. Again, I said it would be just. I'm going to save this clip and next <laughs> next winter, spring. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, I'm going to crown you. That's uh, a, a deep reach on, my, uh, on, on your part uh, for Quentin Byfield in that spot. Uh, but anyway, the, the LED court. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was very cool. Did not. I, I like the attempt, try new things, but I, I think the execution on that uh, wasn't so great. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people texting about uh, NBA Jam, like different textures asking about uh, 2v2. What would be like an NHL version of that? Well, like we, we, it, right? Three on three? No, we do three on three, I, but this I, is, I, when I, feel, you were gone, I feel we need the urgency of, of the, the all-star game. When you were gone, mm-hmm. I suggested street hockey instead of on ice. No. Round orange ball. No. No pads, no, no helmets. Who's going to, like, where are you going to play that? In the arena. You just cover the surface oh. with, like, uh, no. like some kind of, like, concrete but surface. But why would they not play on ice? Yeah. It's ice hockey. If, if you want the... You want to do something different, right? Right, but then go do something different. Like, go outside and go do it. Sure, yeah. But, like, how are you going to house 16,000, 18,000 people to do that? Stadium? Yeah. I'm just throwing out ideas, Vic. That's what I am. I'm, a, I'm an idea people, machine, you know? People are after you for the Byfield thing. <laughs> Travis and Naima, would you be calling for Byfield if he didn't score that goal last night? Be honest. Listen, progress isn't linear. <laughs> you know? Our development isn't linear. Look, it's it's trendy based off what happened last night, but uh, not for me. Not for me. Uh, all right. The Hart Trophy. This is what we want to talk about. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. So the, the, the discourse is, <laughs> is is charging up right now that if he ends up scoring 70, how can you deny him? Uh, I wanted to talk about this even last week when, you know, just kind of coming out of the All-Star break and just looking at what the future was. We've... <laughs> Sorry, I just got a text. Um, yeah, people are mad at you, though. Uh, we've... Is it Randy? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. 
uh, we, we spend so much time talking about all the awards the Canucks are going to win. Jim Gregory Award, you know, Jack Adams Award, all these things. Hughes is up for, you know, Norris. I, I do feel like, though, the one that's going to get away for Canucks players is the Hart Trophy. Quinn Hughes is probably the best candidate. But you look at this right now. Kucherov, McKinnon, McDavid to me, and Pasternak are, are an obvious four that are in contention. And then here's this Matthews conversation. If he gets 70, uh, how, how do you deny it when it's true? You score that many goals. You know, history suggests you're, you're going to be taking home some hardware. Kucherov to me has been incredible. And on a, on a season that is so difficult right now for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, the, the Sergachev injury, Vasilevsky dealing with everything. There he is, uh, pacing the NHL in points. And, you know, I was looking this up yesterday as we have this conversation all the time with, oh, is Elias Pettersson scoring against good teams? I was kind of doing a chart yesterday, and Kucherov is crushing against good teams. He's essentially against the top 10 teams in the league. He's got two points a game. It's an unbelievable return on Nikita Kucherov's uh, games against elite competition. Two points a game in 22 games. He's got 44 points. He dogged it at the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. No, he's... he's, I saw that yesterday. It's one thing to just see the stats and you say, like, oh, 94 points in 56 games. He's he's doing it against bad competition. Nikita Kucherov is not. He is whooping uh, elite teams with 44 points in 22 games. The next closest to him is Matt Barzell at 29 in 20 games. So it, it's not even just he, he's cherry-picked some moments and, and some guys are close. He's lapping the field, essentially. By the way, Elias Pettersson, uh, 23 points in 17 games in those games. 1.35 points per game, which is good for sixth. Just just throwing that in as a, as a footnote, as an aside for people that uh, – Saying he he doesn't score in, in big games. He's and done Brock that Besser's so far tied this year. for eighth in goals. In in goals, I, I'm just looking at just teams. Uh, the games you've played against top ten competition, uh, top ten teams. Oh, how, how how have you fared in those games? Uh, Brock Besser, I can just bring this up for you, in just a second. But Kucherov, yeah, he's got he's got a point a game, seventeen. Uh, Kucherov to me might be the leader. McDavid, you drag him back from the death. You're back in the mix. McKinnon just feels like he's got to be in there. Pasternak, we keep waiting for Boston to fall over. They don't. He's one of the main reasons. McAvoy, Lindholm also in the goaltending. But maybe he's the one that gets left out. And then here comes Matthews. And then throw in the goalie, Connor Hellebuck, for Winnipeg. You go that long stretch without getting three goals. He's going to be in the conversation. The Hart Trophy might be uh, out of reach for... Uh, Vancouver Canuck, which is unfortunate because they're you know, a couple of guys having some big seasons. But Austin Matthews, 70 goals. It's mind-bending. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, for the love of God, someone correct how Bix says Sergachev. The way it is in the NHL pronunciation guy. So I have, I have an issue with this mm-hmm. because um, Ridley Gregg. I know is pronounced Ridley Greig in the mm-hmm. pronunciation guide, but everyone under the sun is pronouncing it Greg. So I don't know what to do. We we all have our different quirks. Sergachev, Sergachev. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it literally says S A I R G A Chev. So it's like it's Sergachev. 
however you want to do it, but literally in the the NHL pronunciation guide, it's uh, Sergachev. But I get it. It's different. It's quirky. Uh, The other one. Uh, All right. News today. Jet Wu gets called up. If you missed that news uh, about uh, an hour and a half ago, Jet Wu recalled uh, Carson Soucy, put on uh, retroactive LTIR, and Dakota Joshua uh, put on retroactive IR. But uh, Jet Wu getting the call up from Abbotsford in preparation of tomorrow's game, whether he gets into the lineup, TBD, obviously. But the thing, you know, you saw yesterday, Noah Juleson gets the one shot block on the box score. But it, he, he ate one in a big way. Stayed out there on the PK. Eventually even gets the clear uh, for Noah Juleson. But is that something to keep an eye on uh, if he's a bit hampered going into tomorrow after that uh, amazing shot block? But Jet Wu called up uh, in line for tomorrow's game against Seattle. You got something dumb? Well, you, you, sometimes you look all, all ready to talk. You, you, you pop up like a meerkat. And Just he, listening to you, buddy. Oh, appreciate that. Uh, all right. Also from yesterday... And we touched on it a bit with Batch. Uh, that was a special moment yesterday. Arshdeep Baines getting his first NHL game. Uh, massive from the, for the Punjabi community as well. But what is uh, his staying power uh, as well? we got a lot of texts here, 650-650, while we're uh, talking to Batch. I'll catch up on the inbox here. Uh, this one, calling from Caribou. I expect Baines will get a run against from here. From the way he played in the first game, be shocked if he's a scratch tomorrow. He'd be more... He did more non-negotiables in one game than Kuzmenko did all season. The thing I love from R.S.D. Baines yesterday, showed a bit of his personality in the game, right? wasn't just, hey, I'll, I'll be a bystander, I'll do what I can, and just make the safe play. There was, you know, he's making plays from below the goal line, setting people up. You, you got a good impression of what R.S.D. Baines is all about. It was not uh, scared of the moment, although maybe some people would love for him to shoot on that two-on-one. I get it player in his first game, uh, passing up to the team leader in goals. You're passing to Brock Besser on a two-on-one. Not a terrible idea, but nevertheless, uh, Arshdie Baines, I, I, you know, I wanted to see it in the NHL. I, I would have been more patient, but nevertheless, uh, earned his spot to get the call up. Uh, fantastic debut. The dash two, not reflective of what he is. He was more uh, innocent bystander on those dash twos. And some bad luck on those goals, obviously, going off a, a D-man and into the net. You end up getting a dash on that. But Baines, for me, uh, a run of games would certainly be nice. Uh, in that spot there with Bluger and, and Garland makes some sense. Uh, but if Bluger finishes one of those chances yesterday, uh, just an impeccable debut for R.S.D. Baines if he picked up an assist and changes the tide in that game. Uh, would have been massive. 650, 650. Uh, this one, Bane, similar to Besser. Not fast, but effective. Unsigned text. Showed a bit of speed, I thought, uh, yesterday. Uh, but certainly, yeah, he, he earned a lot of fans uh, yesterday uh, with his early performance against Colorado. And how many games does he get from now? I, I think he probably earned at least, you know, three more. Let's go to the end of the uh, month with... Uh, with R.S.D. Baines on the roster. The home games would be fun. If you got a, a stretch of home games, play in a different environment, that one was tough. You know, back-to-backs and everything like that going in Colorado, even though the team played well, it was it was a tougher spot. The The home games for R.S.D. Baines might be uh, fantastic to see. With the energy of the crowd, you can can you get different matchups as well? Uh, that would be a, a good spot to see if he can get a run of games. All right, we got a run here. On the way, it's Wednesday, so that means Kevin Woodley and overrated, underrated, 
on Canuck Central. You can text into the show or uh, find them on Twitter at Dan Riccio underscore at Satyr Shaw. They're on the way uh, for Canucks Central. Thanks a lot for all the work in the inbox. Also, a uh, big shout out to uh, Brendan Batchelor for joining us as well earlier on in the show. What are you pointing at? Elon. Oh, yeah. I, I, was gonna, I don't usually always give you guys credit behind the show, do I? I thought you did. To end the show? Yeah. Oh. Dom, Elon, good work behind the glass. I'm, or maybe I'm just always. used to Josh doing it. I don't know. Josh, yeah, that, that feels like a Josh thing to do. Why wouldn't you do it? You used to sit behind the glass. I, I, I shout you guys out to begin the show. I got to do it twice now? Yeah. All right. We're needy like that. Dom, Elon, just, just A-plus work behind the glass. Uh, thanks a lot. Canuck Central on the way here on the home of the Canuck Sportsnet 650.